Well, only Jesus. Turn with me this morning to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to take a moment to look at this text and this sermon title. More than a hero. I grew up in an age and a time where my dad and my grandfathers were bigger than life to me. Men in my church who I would walk out and us boys would be playing around and all those guys, they all looked like ancient of days and they were probably younger than I am now. But they would all be standing out there and they were like heroes to me. Well, what exactly is a hero? If we're going to look at what is more than a hero, let's start by looking at what a hero really is. A hero is a person who is admired for courage. Many here today. Outstanding achievement or noble qualities. We've seen that it's not just age. As a young girl, a brave young girl, a hero that made the call, did what it took to save their family's life, in a structure fire not too long ago. A young girl. They come in all shapes and sizes. I think of a war hero. One who belonged right here uh, with the third ID. A guy that was so short the Marines wouldn't take him. He wanted to go in the Marine Corps. They wouldn't take him and so he joined the Army. And the more he went through, the more training he was willing to go through and this little short guy that most uh, in this room don't even know his name, many my age or above will remember or know his name, but he was more famous in our lifetime as an actor. But he won more medals than anyone else, a true hero during World War II, a man by the name of Aldie Murphy. What is a hero? One who admired for courage in the face of great danger, outstanding achievement or noble qualities. What do they look like? When you look into a crowd, what does a hero, can you pick a hero out? Now, my alter ego, ego Tony Stark, you know, you couldn't pick him out except for his chest glowing, uh, or he has a suit on. You see Cap when he's got his uniform on, but when he doesn't, he just looks like an ordinary guy that lives at the gym. You'll get that later on. What do they look like? Well, number one, a hero has special skills. Many here are very specialized in what they do. They have special skills as you look over the, the vast network of, of TV superheroes, of movie superheroes. They have their own identity and specialization in what they do. They all have a heart to help. No matter what they look like, no matter what their powers are, they have a heart to help. And they're fiercely loyal. Fiercely loyal, almost to a fault. And one thing I believe we can all agree on is they're brave. Very, very brave. Well, I love all kinds of superheroes. I especially, and I think it's kind of obvious, like and follow the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And my kids are the same way. I sent my daughter a picture a while ago and she said, Dad, that is so awesome. You know, we will sit and hold these in-depth conversations about all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My son, Ethan, and I once debated who is the greatest, Cap. We got looking at all of them. We said, well, this one can do this and this one can do that. Is it Captain America? Is it Doctor Strange? Is it Hawkeye? Is it Thor? Captain Marvel? Or my favorite, Iron Man? We talked of strengths and weaknesses. They're all great in their own right, but each one has their own limitations. They need help. They need each other. And much like these fictional superheroes, Church, we have our own local heroes. They're on the front line here, Claxton, Evans, 
and surrounding every day and every night. At the end of a three-digit phone call or whatever it takes, each one different with their own special skills, brave, loyal, and noble. Today, we at Eastside recognize our local heroes. First of all, I want to recognize our educators. Well, all of our educators, if you work at the school in whatever capacity, I don't care what it is, administration, coaching, uh, lunchroom, I, you stand right now, all of our educators. Remain standing. They prepare us. They prepare us. They teach us. They encourage us. They mentor us. I think of Miss Pearson in fourth grade, my favorite teacher. She was a little short black lady about this tall that feared no man. And if you fell asleep, listen, she'd go to prison today because if you went to sleep in her class, she'd either throw an eraser at you, a tennis ball at you, or she had a little children's fruit can that she would fill up with the coldest water this side of the Arctic and she would dribble it down your neck. But you know what? She loved us and she cared. I thank God for our, our educational heroes. Let's give them a hand. Thank y'all. All right? And what? Will you watch with me? You watch the crowd and see how many stand up in numerous positions in our community. Second of all, our police officers. Will you stand? All police officers. Yeah, Randall. Oh, you're just taking a little time to get that. All police, uh, our sheriff's office, uh, all over. Listen, I have the very auspicious privilege to serve as a chaplain. I have been with them in some of the absolute hardest calls that they faced in the last eight years. And I've watched what they do. I've rode with Randall and I've rode with most in this room. I have seen them with heavy hearts. I have seen them literally at the point of breaking in the face of great, great heartache. And yet I've seen great bravery. One time chasing someone that was a very, very dangerous felon right here in our county. You see, our police officers are our protectors, sometimes known as our sheepdogs. They are protecting others, protecting us from others. But you know what? When I was a boy, I liked to drive fast. Still kind of like to drive fast. But it was... It was the fact that God used police officers to write me a ticket. I don't like getting stopped. I don't like getting a ticket. But it, it showed me I needed, I needed to slow down. It was protecting me not just from others, but from myself. And I thank God for our police officers, don't you? Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you all. You can be seated. And then our firefighters. I've spent a lot of time with these guys as well. And if you, you think it's nothing to it, I challenge you any time to go and crawl up in the burn building where I was, I was the official uh, gun shooter that read the temperature outside because I wasn't going in there. And when you start seeing 1,200 degrees and, you know, stuff that, just about melt steel. You see our firefighters, when everyone is running out, they're running in. Do you know that? When we all want to gawk and say, what's going on? They don't have time to gawk. They don't have time to think. They must respond with whatever it takes to number one, save life, number two, to save property. All of our firefighters, will you please stand today? All of our firefighters, Amen. Amen. Thank y'all. Thank you for all you do. You may be seated. And then our EMS and first responders. 
Whenever, whatever, however, they are there. If you are EMS, first responder, work on uh, ambulance, helicopter, whatever, if you're any form of first responder, please stand. I've, and I've literally watched all these guys do exactly that. I've seen them there to hold hands of those who are slipping out into eternity. I've seen them do everything in their power to rescue life and limb. And I'm thankful for each one of these men and women who serve. And then our medical workers. This is nurses. Yeah, and I said that first. Nurses, because they're the front line, buddy. The doctors, those who work in the office of our local hospital, those who work in doctor's offices, because they're the ones, a lot of times, they're the front line when we have the flu and we have other things. Listen, from birth to death and everything in between, we need them all. If you work in the medical field, you work at our hospital, will you stand today? Amen. Thank y'all. You may be seated. And if just, just as a, a, a side note, if, uh, if you don't feel well today, please don't catch them outside and ask them to, that, you know, sometimes they're like, I can't even go to church without them asking me about, you know, some ailment I have or a police officer comes and says, can you do something about the dog? My, Call them tomorrow. Let them worship as well. Listen, we need you all. And at Eastside, we're thankful for you. Amen. So I, all of our local heroes, I know you've already stood up, but I want all of you at one time to stand now. All of you to stand. <laughs> From Eastside to you. And I really do. I wish we could... We could just flower you with gifts and things, but I wanted to say it from my mouth. I appreciate you. This church has been preparing three months for this moment to tell you thank you for what you do. At all hours of the night, when we lock our doors, we turn the TV off and we go to bed. Y'all are riding the roads. Y'all have your pagers on your side. Everything is on, ready to go. You're up working the night shift at the hospital. You're doing what it takes first thing Monday morning in the doctor's office. We are so thankful. Our teachers are preparing lesson plans to help our students, and someone did it for us so that we could all do what we do today. So thank you for all that you do. You may be seated. You see, we need them all, don't we? We need teachers, firefighters, police officers, doctors, nurses. We, we need all of these heroes. And we're thankful for you. We need each other. Someone once said, you know, uh, if, if uh, you ate today, thank a trucker. You know, thank a farmer. Uh, and the teacher says, well, if you knew how to do anything, thank a teacher. And one time I'd had, I, and I'm all about that, but some folks will break their elbow to pat themselves on the back. And so I had to add a little line that kind of speaks to the message today. So yes, we ought to thank our teachers. We did that. We ought to thank our police officers, our farmers. We need to thank our truckers and all the rest that do those things. But if you breathe today, you need to thank Jesus. If you're a teacher or a police officer, if you're a firefighter or EMS, then you're still breathing. You need to thank the Lord. None of us can do it alone. We all have our weaknesses. We have our own kryptonite. But there's one above the rest. One throughout all time in the real universe who faced the worst villain of them all and one. And today, you may have heard about him, but I truly and in depth want to introduce you to Jesus. You see, he is more than a hero. Jesus is all of these things. 
He's, he's brave, noble, you know, great achievement, unbelievable skills. I mean, how many of you walked on the water? You know, I've seen my mother stretch food, make it go a long way, y'all know? But I've never seen her feed 5,000 with just a couple of little old fish and five slices of bread. Jesus did. Jesus is more. He is creator. He is conqueror. And he is king. First of all, I want you to look with me in Colossians. Look with, you, look with me in Colossians. Look at verse 9 of chapter 1. For this cause, since the day we heard of it, or heard of, uh, uh, of your, your reading the gospel, of, of understanding about Jesus, we do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I, I looked around this morning and I felt like I was at a, uh, an Indian convention because I walked in and I was standing there and uh, Andy was standing there and Jason was standing there and Dale was standing there and I said, good morning, chief. Good morning, chief. Good morning, chief. <laughs> and I'm thankful for these guys. But you know what? When they go on a scene, everybody's looking to them. And I've watched them. All three of those, barking orders. And they've got to. There's no time uh, for, hey, will you please? No. You get this, you hurt, and it's all yelling and screaming. And, and if you don't do that high anxiety type stuff, then I would strongly advise against putting yourself in one of those positions. That people die when they hesitate. Literally. They hesitate. People have to respond to those directions. Paul is telling them here, uh, listen what he said, that you may, he said, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life. Jesus Christ has a plan for your life. Now you may have marked out and said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a firefighter by this time. I want to move up and be uh, in this position by this time. I want to uh, be a sergeant by this. I want to uh, uh, go get an LPN, then an RN, and then nurse practice. I want to go through all these steps, and that's great. As long as it's God's will. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, His plan for your life, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now look down with me. Uh, he says, strengthen, in verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Now he has said, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, he said Jesus has the power and he's overcome the weaker powers of this world. He said he has won the victory over the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Still speaking of Jesus, he said, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. Now it's, it's getting even better. Look at verse 18. He is the head. The head of the body. The church who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, listen to me, my friends, us that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. 
It's amazing when I watch the superhero stuff, the, the, the cool twist where someone who at one time was an enemy of the good guys and somewhere along the storyline, they're translated. Something changes in their life and all of a sudden they come in. They say, what's he doing here? They said, oh, he's now with us. You see, Jesus changes things when we allow him to be Lord of our lives. Not that we can limit him. He's Lord whether you accept him or not. But my friends, he is the preeminence. He said, and those who were enemies, even in our mind by the wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Church, Jesus is more. First of all, he's the creator. You see again there in these verses that Jesus is before and above all things. He is the firstborn of every creature and by him were all things created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether it's thrones, dominions, or principalities. You see, to be creator is to be greater than any superhero. Superheroes only exist for a little time. If you're an MCU kind of guy like me, then you saw the last movie and I won't give any plot, but if you have not watched it by now and you like this stuff, you ought to be ashamed. Uh, and if you just don't care, then I ought to just say it anyway. But superheroes die. And at some point they age and others come on the scene. You see, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. He is Transcendent literally means to be above all things from the very beginning. You say, well, Jesus is just in the New Testament. I beg to differ. We talked about it other night uh, here on, on uh, Wednesday night. Jesus is transcendent of all times. Before air conditioning, before organized police and fire departments, before uh, the, the, the civilized world, in the very beginning, God in Genesis 1, 26, uh, 26 said, let us make man in our image. So is there more than one God? No. There's one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you how a country preacher taught me to understand and remember it. That there is the triune God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And think of it this way. Three and one and one and three and the one in the middle died for me. He has transcended. He's above all. From the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit spoke the worlds into existence. It was not by some random light source. It was by the very Word of God. The Bible teaches us Jesus is the Word. He is above all things. No matter what you're facing in your life, He's above it. He sees it. He knows it. Before, Listen, can I tell you something? When God created the trees, He knew, now wrap your head around this, He knew which tree throughout the period of time would be the one who through uh, the planting of the seed and, and year in, year out, and the trees grow and the trees die, but it continues to put off seedlings and it continues to evolve. He knew which one or which ones would be cut down, milled to build the house that you sometimes fight the fire in. He knew that. He knew which one would have the lineage of the one that would be cut down that his son would hang on. He is transcendent. He's eminent. Back in verse 15 of chapter 1, he said, who is the image of every creature? And all this, he said, whether it's thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
All things were created by him and for him. He's imminent. He's here. And every believer through Jesus Christ, he is, listen to me, Jesus is imminent in that he exists, exists in the world today, not in a pantheistic way where those chairs are God and these speakers are God and this cross pulpit is God. No, He is above that. He's transcendent, but He's imminent in existing in His creation. And we know, the Bible tells us, in the fullness of time, according to God's will, that He would come, made lower than the angels, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, spent two years on the run in Egypt, come back, live in Nazareth, and at 30 years of age, begin his ministry. And at 33 and a half, walk into Jerusalem, be nailed to a cross, and die. That's a hero, wouldn't you agree? I I've pretty much know all of these first responders and police and fire and pretty much all of our heroes today, I know all of you pretty closely and pretty for just about the whole time I've been here. And I, I know your character and I know I've watched you. There's no question that you would do what it took to save someone else. To be able to be willing to lay down your life for one of your neighbors. Can I tell you something? That's great. And that's wonderful. And sometimes we like to quote about no greater love, but I want you to understand there's, there's a limit even in that for us to lay down our life for our family, our friends. But gee, because listen, all of us deserve to die. We have a hard time wrapping our hair. Well, I just can't believe they were too young. They were, all men are sinners. All women are sinners. We're born into sin because of Adam. We deserve death. But there was one who never sinned. One who is above any superhero. Who never failed through all the temptations. Through all of the betrayals and denials. There was one who did not deserve death and yet died. Not just for one. But died for all. Jesus is imminent. But then he's preeminent. Look at verse 17. He is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. That in all things he might have the preeminence. He is preeminent. It means he surpasses all. This is the, the, the core of the entire Bible. Right here in this one verse, Jesus is preeminent. We can talk about attributes. He's you know, he's sinless. He's sovereign. We can talk about it. He is love. He is compassionate. You know, we can talk about all these suffering. He's reigning. But the one word that encapsulates it all is our hero, Jesus, is preeminent. He is the penultimate. He surpasses them all. If there's anything I've learned in 55 years of life, there's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody that's wealthier. There's always someone quicker and stronger uh, uh, and, and just can get along, get ahead quicker than anyone else. But there's one when it all goes to the very top. There's one that surpasses them all. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the creator. And here's the deal. I'm going to be real transparent with you. Unless you accept that point, you can't go any further. You've got to understand. And I love, I love the superhero stuff. And, you know, we've got it all where you can watch them in sequence. And it's not when they came out. You've got to watch them in sequence so that you understand what's going on. You get that, don't you, Aiden? You've got to understand where Thor fits in, where Loki comes in. You've got to understand where the Black Widow and Hawkeye fits into the plan. You've got to understand where Iron Man and, uh, and Captain America and, and all of a sudden Captain Marvel comes from nowhere. But really, if you understand it in its sequence, you'll, you, you get it. You, you understand. 
Well, we've got to understand if we're going to follow and we're going to trust the Lord and we're going to have the Lord's Prayer before we go on a ball field or we're going to have a firefighter's prayer before we jump in the truck or something, I'm going to tell you something. We've got to be prepared long before that tone goes off. Long before we suit up. Long before that day, we've got to be settled in our heart and our life if we expect God the God of the universe to hear us, then we have got to hear Him. He is Creator. But then He's also the conqueror. He said in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to tell you something. I've read this as much as I've read anything. At the graveside of those who died in Christ, those who know Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And they died knowing that. Not hoping so. Oh, I, 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 believe, I believe in Jesus. No, they placed their faith, hope, and trust in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Their lives were evident, the fruit in their life, that they had put Jesus before all other things. And we stand beside their graveside and we speak of the conqueror. Jesus has conquered sin and death. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I be real transparent with you this morning? As I got up Wednesday morning and was doing some things at the house before I came to the office, I received a text around 8.30, 8.45 about my friend Ben. And Ben was more than a church member in many ways. Ben had come by my office multiple times a week. We ate lunch together a good bit. And it's proof that the love of God can overcome a, a mountain of separation because... I'm a Georgia Tech fan, and he's a Georgia grad. And we still loved each other. It wasn't any old-fashioned hate. It was pure love. Because we understood there's a whole lot more than football. But now we still text it every Saturday. But I jumped in the truck, and I came to the office, and I just walked in, and I was given the news. And as the week progressed, I got the full picture. I want to share it with you because I think, I think I need to. I think it'll encourage you. So we all know, just like the rest of us, okay? If you're a keyboard cowboy, don't say anything today. Don't say anything in the coming days, especially around me. So put your keyboards up and listen to me this morning. We all have our issues. All of us. Ben did what, this week, what he liked to do best. He went to a judicial conference. That was a lot of his identity. And so Ben went and sat on this panel of senior judges of which he was the president over this conference for a long time. And we have the wonderful privilege because it was at a conference. We have pictures of some of the last hours while he was here on earth. Looked great, smiling, Said he felt good, doing good. He left here last Sunday morning. He said, hey, want you to know, not going to be here tonight, leaving for Athens. And there in the home of his beloved Bulldogs, having finished his judicial conference of which he kind of, uh, he sat on a panel over many other judges from all over the state. And when it was done Wednesday morning, he packed his luggage, put it in his car, sat down, and went home. What's bad about that? He thought he was coming to Claxton when he put his luggage in his car. He went home. Church. Now I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, I don't know about this. Just shut up. Okay? That's a bad word of my wife, but that's exactly what that needs right there. It's just be quiet because I, I told the church when I first came here, if you knew everything I'd done in my past, you'd have never hired me. 
But if I'd known everything you'd done in your past, I'd never came. And some of you, I do know some of your past. And I know the grace of God can tear down the greatest strongholds and sin. Jesus conquered it all because His blood is sinless. He has conquered sin and its power. I'm going to tell you, there's times where I've been overcome with grief. There's been times I've been overcome with, with, with uh, temptation. And there's times, that I'll be honest, where I caved. Jesus was overwhelmed almost with temptation. But every single time, he looked Satan in the eyes and was the conqueror. Satan said, oh, but aren't you hungry? Well, yeah, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten 40 days. Well, won't you turn that stone into bread? Can't you do that? Well, sure he could. He could have turned the whole mountain into cotton candy if he wanted to. He said, he gave him God's word, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Satan played on his pride. He played on his lust of the eyes. He played on the lust of the flesh. And I want to tell you something. Satan will come at you in the same three categories. You'll look at something and say, oh boy, that looks good. And you'll spend all your time trying to make money to buy that which cannot make you happy. Someone once said that half the population is killing themselves trying to make enough money to buy the stuff that the other half of the population is miserable with. Things will never make you happy. They just never will. Cap asked me if I knew how to fish. Steve, do I know how to fish? Okay. I wasn't going to brag, but I can fish a little bit. But you know, if I catch an 8-pounder, I want a 10-pounder. If I catch a 10-pounder, I want an 11-pounder. I, caught, I got nine pound mounted mic, and I said, I'm not going to mount another one until I got one bigger. And I had one bigger. I had one 12 pounds, 11, 12 pounds. Come up, looked at me, waved his head at me, and went down, popped the line. You know, I've got 140 class deer on my wall. I'm not going to mount another unless I got one bigger. I ain't seen him yet. I think I did one day down here. But he just waved at me and took off. Listen, there's nothing greater in your life than sin if you don't know Jesus. You want strength. You want courage. You want to be able to go in there and know God's going to watch over you and keep your back and take care of your family. If something does happen to you, won't you give it to the one who can do something about it? He has conquered sin and its power. He has conquered death and its penalty. See, tomorrow... We're not going to bury Ben. Ben was buried when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And a dear friend of his come into my office Thursday. He said, hey, preacher, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get ready for funerals and Sunday and everything. And, and he, uh, he said, hey, we just got talking about cars and all this kind of stuff. And you'd know him if I told you. And he was a member here at one time. And he run with Ben when they didn't run with the Lord. But this guy was gloriously saved. God changed his life. He said one night, he said Ben would come over and they would, they would eat and all this stuff. It, it was just that their, their choice of drink and other things had changed dramatically. And Ben kept coming. He, he changed in that Respect. He, you know, he, he respected the change there and he didn't say anything. It's a good point. You see, you can change your physical attributes. You can change your habits. But if you still don't know Jesus, it's not going to do you any good. You can be the greatest local hero in the world and die and go to hell. It's just the truth. But he said, after a while, this guy, he said, Ben acts real, his real just unsettled stuff. She said, his wife said, he's waiting on you to invite him to go to church. I don't, she said, I'm telling you, that's what it is. You better listen to me. And he said, Ben, you want to go to church? What time does it start? 
Not long after that, this guy had moved away. And he got the call when he got out of church that morning from the pastor. It says, I wanted to tell you, Ben was saved this morning. God had radically changed his life. You see, it was at that moment where he prayed to receive Christ, where he trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, that he, it, the greatest thing he could ever do is die to self, that he might live eternally. That's when Ben was buried. We're going to recognize him and we're going to be thankful for him just like I pray your family will be thankful for you. But that's not going to be Ben because he is with the Lord. He is, Jesus has conquered sin. He's conquered death. He tells us in Romans 3.23, get this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Tells us in 6.23, the wages of sin. You know, when you work during the week, you kind of expect to get paid at the end of the week, don't you? You'd like to, wouldn't you? Well, the Bible says there's a payday for sin. One of the greatest sermons preached in the last hundred years was entitled Payday Someday. And I want everybody in here to hear what I'm about to tell you. There's a great day coming. Payday is coming. Sunday is coming. And what you did in your life and whether you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will stand accountable. The Bible says even for every idle word you speak. You see in 623 it says the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the wonderful news he tells us in 1013 that if we believe that, we believe his word, we believe in Jesus, we believe on Jesus, we repent of our sins. He said if you believe that in your heart and you confess him with your mouth, you shall be saved. Jesus conquered sin and death. But then in conclusion, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He reigns supreme. When he came to the earth, he was a suffering Messiah. When he comes back, the second coming, he's going to sit on a throne. You hear what I'm telling you? I remember as a young man seeing a Palestinian and a Jew with an American president with president's arms crossed like this Shaking hands. Now, it's supposed to be a picture of unity, but you know it's like crossing your fingers. That just canceled everything out. There's not going to be any peace over there. I'm going over there in January. There's not going to be any peace over there until Jesus comes with a rod of iron in his hands. God, listen, Jesus hadn't lost control. So this is happening today and that happened last week and Iraq and Iran and Syria and all these, North Korea. I'm telling you something. Even all the depth of sin in this world and, and the, the sad things that we hear every day of child abductions, a three-year-old in Birmingham found dead and all these other things. It is a terrible, if you've become cynical, I want you to hear me today. I get it, I understand. I worked in the prison system for about seven years and you look at everybody and think, everybody's messed up. Everybody's jacked up. Well, we are, but there's hope. Because Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is king over our past. Over all past. Over Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Hey, you remember Samson? Samson's a bad dude, wasn't he? Samson was a hero. A lot of, listen, when you look at judges, I, I like Shamgar. Shamgar, because Shamgar killed 100 men with an ox goad. He took a cattle prod and killed 100 men. I mean, anybody can kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey, but, you know, an ox goad. There's some bad dudes. But, you know, Samson capitulated. Samson, some of you here today say, well, I used to be real faithful in church, and I've just got out. I, listen, it's time to let your hair grow back. It's time. The Bible tells us way before Samson, I know some can't, you know, I, I get that. It was metaphorically speaking. 
In, in the law, he talks about being a Nazarite. He said, if you have to cut your hair, then you're to be separated until that grows back because it is a symbol of strength. But when Samson died, he died a hero. He died a hero. And it said he killed more in his death than he did in his life. He died a hero. God overcame his past and gave him victory. God can overcome anything in your past. I don't, you say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to, but I'm here to tell you. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years, and I've heard just about everything. And if I haven't heard your story, and it's different, it's just, it may be different, but it's in the same category as a bunch of other stuff that would curl your toes. I asked my deacons one time, I said, we need to do background checks for people who work in the church and work around our nurse. Why, preacher? We're a small church. This is in my first church. We know everybody. I said, you do? Yeah, we know everybody here. I mean, we, we're real loving. We can, we, you know, we shake everybody's hand and we, we know everybody. I said, okay. I will believe you if you answer me one question. They said, okay. I said, tell me who in this church did 18 months in federal penitentiary for bank robbery? They said, you making that up? I said, no, I'm not making it up. I know who it is. And then they wanted to play the guessing game. I said, no, we ain't playing that. And it turned out it was nowhere even close to anything they could ever imagine. It was this young, very attracted, uh, attractable 26-year-old girl that was driving a getaway car for some bad dudes. She had done 18 months in a federal penitentiary for bank robbery. You see, I don't have to know your past to know what your future can be because I know Jesus. He is king over our present. I don't know what you're facing today, but I know that Jesus stood there before Pilate. He stood before the world and proclaimed, I and my Father are one, allowed them to nail him to the cross and cried out, it is finished. Jesus is king over our present. Whatever you're facing, he's bigger. Whatever storm you're going through, he's greater. Whatever trouble you have, he's stronger. Whatever heartache you're facing, he's more loving and kind. Whatever you're facing, he's king over your present. And then Jesus is king over the future. Once again, just to kind of tie it in with the Marvel movies. You see, with Jesus as the king over the future, the real infinity war, the real end game is going to happen. And it's going to happen all at once. And he tells us this about that day. That day when it comes. He tells us in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14, there these shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. And they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Christian heroes were the greatest of them all. You'll know how it ends? Huh, you'll know how it ends? You know, I learned, all you educators, I'm thankful for you. I love to read. But I learned a little trick. If it was about a 14 to 18 chapter book, I learned I could read about the first four to six chapters and the last one and get the whole story. And so if it was not a book that I was really indulged in, I'd read me about four or five chapters and I'd read the last chapter and I'd know what... Well, I want to tell you how the end of the story goes. I've read the end of the book. He tells us in Revelation 22... Verse 12, Jesus himself said, Behold, I come quickly. Sounds like a lot of voluntary firefighters. Wink, wink, nod, nod. He said, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha. I'm the beginning. I am Omega. I am the end. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. Listen, as they come to the instruments today, in just a moment,
Now, we'll be dis dismissed in just a moment. Listen, kids, uh, the firefighters have brought their trucks, and I believe there's some police cars and stuff that uh, our, our people, uh, our heroes will be out there with them, and you'll be able to see them and stuff. Uh, Andy, is that all right? Jason, is that all right? Uh, so, uh, Dale, we got all that covered. So, kids, go out there, meet our local heroes. Adults, go meet our heroes. Uh, we want you to see all that. But first, thank you for coming. Thank you, Cap. And we'll, we, we'll get everything planned for our mission tonight. It's going to be unbelievable. You can talk with Cap this morning, and uh, man, it's going to be unbelievable. I already know we've already sent out the word. Thor's on his way. Black Panther's on his way. Spider-Man is sailing through the air to get here. It's going to be an unbelievable night. But with all that being said, this very moment, look at, look at me. This moment right here is the most important moment, not just of the morning, but possibly of your life. You say, well, I'm a visitor. I'm going to tell you something. You don't really, these firefighters don't care what address. As long as they get there, they don't say, oh, well, that's not the address I want to save. They run into whatever they need to do. No matter who's watching, get out of the way. We've got a job to do. I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants to save you today. And if you really want your life delivered for all eternity to be the godly mother, the father, the brother, the sister, the child that God wants don't you let anything stand in your way. You turn on your sirens, you clear the road, you come to Jesus this morning. Because, listen, I want you to hear what a, we talked about a hero. You want to be a hero? You want to be a Jesus hero? Then H, honor Jesus with your life. E, encourage others to trust Jesus. R, respond to His will for you. And O, Openly praise Him. For without Jesus, we can do nothing. You know, all heroes do not wear capes. Some wear scrubs. Some wear bunker gear. Some wear badges while others wear name tags and street clothes to the classroom. But the greatest of them all wore a crown of thorns. Jesus is my hero. Jesus is our hero. I want to ask you, just like it's just me and you sitting here today, will you trust Jesus to be your hero? Will you, you say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Will you be a hero for Him? Will you be what God's called you to be? Let's stand. I'm going to be right here. Other counselors will pray with you. If you need to pray, I'd love to pray with you. Come to Jesus today. Come. Come to Him. He's standing there.